0: We'll be in First Thessalonians again, if you want to turn there, chapter 5. Uh, kind of finishing up from last Sunday. Uh, I was nice to you last Sunday where I didn't keep you over two hours. So uh, <laughs> we'll finish up today on, on kind of what we talked about last Sunday, I hope. And we will see these two truths of these songs that we've listened to. Uh, we'll see some of those truths in today's message, I hope so anyway that's what we did what we did that's a reminder how good god is that he wants us to praise him when we're on the mountaintop and when we're in the valley we praise him yeah we do um mark meacham will you open us up in prayer please buddy Amen. Thank you, Mark. Thank you, Mark. Uh, just a just a review of what we spoke about last week. Okay, uh, we looked at chapter five, verses uh, pretty much fourteen and fifteen. And just to give you a quick recap on that, uh, it was talking about a loving church and, and the things that a church does that is loving, if you would. Uh, some things a reminder of of what our church is is supposed to look like, and I think it does. But just a reminder from God's Word. And, and we see the first thing, if you remember, we are to warn the unruly. The unruly, we said, were those that have those folks that maybe have been in church and have kind of wandered away a little bit, have kind of just lost their step and really, really the relationship with Christ is not where it should be. And Paul is telling us that as a church we are to warn them. We are to warn them that what is life like outside the box that God has created for us. And we warn them in love. Second thing that we looked at was that we are to encourage the faint hearted. Those folks that are timid, that are, that, are, that are weak, a little bit bashful. We are to encourage those folks so that their walk will become stronger. Their faith will become stronger. And that uh, one day they will no longer be bashful or timid because of the gospel. But they will be strong and bold in their witness. We also looked at uh, uh, to help the weak, and we talked about those that are spiritually weak, those that uh, uh, have a tendency to to veer off towards temptation or to veer off towards anxiety and depression. And we talked about that that when we we see people like that, we are to go and, and help them and to help them and encourage them and to help and to give them a word that says they don't have to always be like that that God has an answer for whatever is going on in their life. And then the last thing we talked about last week was we are to be patient with everyone, okay? And I don't know about you, that might be the hardest one of all of them, to be patient with everyone as a church, you know? And I got to think about that. Why Why should we be patient with everyone? We all need grace, do we not? We all need grace. There is none of us perfect. None of us are going to, you know, walk on the water. We all need grace, all right? So, so that's why we are patient with everyone. As a church, we are to build up and to encourage and to, to uh, push on, if you would, those that are a little bit weaker than us. We do not sit in judgment with anybody, if you'll remember. Uh, we do not uh, stand above anybody. Uh, we do not uh, talk down to people. But what do we do? We love them. We love them through their, their weakness. We love them where they're not as strong faithfully and spiritually as we are. And we just extend love to them. We extend love so that maybe one day they will grow in their faith. Maybe one day they'll grow closer to the Lord. Um, maybe one day they'll just be that, uh, be that Christian that God wants them to be. So as a church, I just want to remind us. That's what we talked about last week. And how do we do that? We do that because we love God and we love people. All right? We love people. And as a church, that's what we are called to do. We also looked at never taking our own revenge. And we also looked at rejoice always, verse 16 of that chapter. So just, uh, and we talked about how do we rejoice always? You know, when, when, when things are happening in our life, uh, we have inflation, we have high gas prices, we've got corruption, we've got crime, how do we rejoice? How do we rejoice when that we're just bombarded with all that kind of stuff? And and I gave you a list of 10 or 12, but I won't go over all those lists. But I just want to remind you, uh, why do we need to rejoice? Why can can we rejoice always, even if we're in the valley or even if the world is collapsing around us? And if you remember, Jesus gave the, the one best answer. He told the disciples, remember that your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. When the world seems to be going astray, when it's collapsing on top of you, remember... Your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And what does that mean? It means that when you pass from this old earth, you will immediately be transported into God's presence. If your name is not written in that book, the Bible says you will be condemned with the wrath of God forever and forever. The greatest thing you can do is to have your name written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Why can't we rejoice when the world is collapsing? Because you've been born again. God loves you and God and Jesus saved you. You've been forgiven of your sins. You can rejoice in that. And you rejoice in the fact that one day you'll be in the presence of Holy God forever and forever in His home in heaven, living in the mansion that He is preparing for you even as we speak. We have a lot to rejoice in. I hope you can remember that. So let's start on some new stuff here. As we look through these verses, the next one says, Pray without ceasing. Oh, my goodness, how do we do that? We're supposed to walk around with our heads bowed and our eyes closed all the time? And just, we can't do anything because we're just praying all the time? Is that, is that what he's telling us? I don't think that's what he's telling us. That doesn't make any sense, does it? I believe what he's telling us here is he's tells us to pray without ceasing, that we are to have an attitude of God Constantly. We need to have an attitude that God is around us and He's near us and God is, uh, uh, wants to interact with us on a daily basis. It is a God consciousness, if you would, that, that we have a mind that, that brings up, if you would, God daily, more than once. How many times do we do that, though? I mean, we get busy in our day and, and we never think about God. God. But it, he's telling us we are to have this awareness uh, of, of who God is and that God wants to interact and he wants to be a part of our lives, the way we act and the way we react. Uh, I, I thought of a Willie Nelson song that says, You Are Always On My Mind. Okay, I don't know how you get Willie Nelson in a sermon, but I just did. Okay, that's not hard. That's hard to do now. You Are Always On My Mind. Willie would, well, would sing that way. He was that way. That's what I believe is pray without ceasing. God, you're always on my mind, okay? And when things come into our mind that are not good, when fear, anxiety, discouragement comes, okay, we can take that, we can turn that thought into prayer and that prayer into thanksgiving. Did you know that? When those thoughts come into our mind, we can change around and make that a prayer and that prayer becomes thanksgiving. Philippians 4, 6, and 7. I love, always love this verse. I just always keep bringing it up. I know I do. But it says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. That's praying without ceasing. Okay? And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and mind in Christ Jesus. You see, we don't have to be anxious. We don't have to have those thoughts. We don't have to have those fears. And when those things start coming into our mind, and we become discouraged today, and we, we, we become depressed today, and, and life gets hard and we get down in the dumps, our first response should be what? To take it to the throne room of grace. To go talk to God about it. You see, we can go to Him anytime, place, anywhere, at any time. See, He doesn't close at midnight. He doesn't close at 4 o'clock in the morning. He's open 24-7. And at any time, and anywhere, in and any place, when something comes up into your mind that you have to deal with, your first response should be not a fleshly response. Your first response should be, I'm going to pray about this. I'm going to take this to God the Father. I want to talk to God about this one and just see if your day becomes a little bit better. Our Our first reaction should be take it to Him and not take it to us. When somebody makes you angry, what do you do? I suggest you take it to the Lord and pray about that. When fear and anxiety comes into your heart, we just read a verse, by prayer and supplication, He'll give you the peace that surpasses all understanding when you take it to Him. When fear tries to stop you, you understand that fear is not from God. We talked about this three weeks ago, but God has not given us a spirit of fear, but He's given us what? A power and love and a sound mind. When, when fear tries to stop you from doing anything, you've got the power to live this life, you've got the power to deal with this life, and you've got the power to witness to Him, for Him, anytime, anywhere. He's given us... That power when unforgiveness kind of stops, kind of jumps at us, and we choose not to forgive. But yet we know we're supposed to forgive. What do we do? I can tell you what you need to do. You need to number one pray. Number two, you need to pray for that person that you cannot forgive. You, you want me to do what? Yeah, you take it to the Lord first, and then you, and then you speak the name of that person that you choose not to forgive. And the next time you see that person that comes into your, your sphere of life, what do you do? You pray for that person again. And the next time you pray that person's name again, and you pray that person's name again, because see, in your own power, you cannot forgive, but the power of God, you can. And you do it over time, and you keep doing it every time you see that person. You pray, you take it to the Lord, you pray without ceasing, if you would. And for a wh- after a while, I'm gonna tell you what's gonna happen Your heart will be changed. And you will no longer have to forgive that person because you already have forgiven that person. Forgiveness is not all about that person. Forgiveness is all about you. So when that happens, you take it to the Lord. When the task is too tough at work, what do you do? You ask God for peace and you ask God for power and you ask God for perseverance. God, I just don't know if I can do this at work. What do you do? You take it to the Lord and ask Him... To fulfill everything that you need. When your kids uh, have gotten on your, and sorry Drew, your last nerd. That's what he used to say. Not nerd, but nerd. Sorry Drew. What do you do? You take it to the Lord. You don't yell at your kids. You don't smack them. You might want to, but you don't. What do you do? You pray without ceasing. You take it, take it to the Lord and ask for patience and perseverance. And ask that those kids will begin to be shaped in the way that you want them to be shaped. You see what I'm saying? Whatever circumstance comes into your life, God says, I want you to bring it to me. I want you to come to talk to me, whatever it is. And my door is always open. Come to me. Pray without ceasing. Things happen, bring it to me. And all you're doing at that point is doing what? You are showing a dependence upon God the Father. When, when I just can't, I just can't do this. And when you take that attitude towards the Lord, I want to tell you something. He's going to fulfill whatever you need fulfilled. The first suggestion that we see here today is pray without ceasing. Does it have to be a long prayer? Doesn't have to be a long prayer. It could be a one-second prayer. Help me, Father. It could be a five-second prayer, ten-second prayer. It could be the time makes no difference. He's going to read your heart. And when you pray without ceasing, you're depending upon Him for every need that you might have on a daily basis. Paul says, pray without ceasing. Next one in verse 18. It says, in everything, oh my goodness, in everything give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. How do we, how do we give thanks for Uvalde? How do we give thanks for cancer? How do we give thanks for crime and corruption and the food shortage and all that's going on? How do we give thanks when it doesn't seem that God is answering our prayers? How do we give thanks for that? Is that are we supposed to are we supposed to give thanks for the pain and the suffering that goes on? He says, In everything there's a difference there. You see the word in. In Jesus Christ, we have victory in everything not for everything there's a big difference we don't praise him for the pain we don't praise him for what's going on we praise him because his presence is with us when we are in something we praise him because his power is going to be supplied to us in everything his promise is given to us and we stand on his promises in everything, not for everything, but in everything. Do you see the difference in that? No matter what we are going through, whatever we are in, God's presence and God's power and God's promises will never fail us, will never fail us, will never hurt he will never fail us, nor will he ever forsake us. We thank him for his presence because we know and we've talked about this before. God sees what we're going through. Did you know that? God sees. God knows exactly what we're experiencing. Whatever valley we might be in, He sees it. He's not a God afar away that doesn't know. He sees it. He hears our cries, the Bible says. He said He is so near that He understands what's going on. The Bible says He saves those who are crushed in spirit. The Bible says He will never fail us nor forsake us. You see, that's what it means to have God's presence when we are in something. We praise Him during that time, not for it, but as He allows us to move through it. And as we know, and I know you know this, but I'm going to tell you again. You know that God is sovereign. You know that God is in control. You know that God's sitting on His throne. And He knows exactly what's going on in your life whatever that might be. And I can promise you from Romans eight twenty eight, He's going to take whatever you're, whatever you're in and He's going to use it to mold and shape you, to make you a little more spiritually mature, and He's going to create something that's good for you and for His glory. See, that's how we can praise Him in everything because of His presence, because of His power, and because of His promises that He's given to us. In his holy word. The next one it says. Do not quench the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. Did you know that the Holy Spirit is God. Living within you. (laughs) You literally have the presence of God. That lives in you if you've been born again as a Christian. That should be exciting to you. Having God himself living. Within our heart. And he says, he says here, do not quench the Spirit. Do not quench the Spirit. That word quench means to snuff out, to stop, to stifle, if you would. You see, the Holy Spirit is in work in your life, in my life, every day. Did you know it? If you've been born again and you have the Holy Spirit living in you, the Holy Spirit is trying to teach you things. You know, the Bible talks about he, the Holy Spirit will lead us in all truth. You read the word, he will amplify truth to you. He will point you to truth every day. He will point you in the right direction. The Bible says he, he, he teaches us truth and he teaches us down the path of righteousness, whatever that might be. He wants to lead us and encourage us to go down the right path of life, to make those kinds of decisions. That's his job. And his job is also to bring conviction in the lives of, of God's people and it says do not quench that spirit do not quench God living within you how do we quench God's spirit well sometimes we just ignore God's spirit lives in our life sometimes we just neglect God's spirit sometimes we don't even think about the Holy Spirit living within us sometimes we just don't want to obey the Holy Spirit sometimes we'll say I'm just going to procrastinate here Holy Spirit I I, I know I need to do something but nah, we'll do it later if God has spoken to you in some message somewhere here or someplace else or through music or whatever and the invitation time comes up and and uh, there's some funny feeling in, in, in your spirit if you would and maybe he is calling you to do something, maybe he's calling you to to come and confess, maybe he's calling you to come and join this church, maybe he's calling you to to change an attitude or change a heart, and you know it, and something is going on in the inside of you, and yet you make no movement to do anything about it. you make no you't don't, you don't come to the front, you don't pray about it, you just go well, I'll get out the back door when he gets done and and I'll be all good. You see, that's quenching the Holy Spirit. That's, that's ignoring the Holy Spirit. That's not being obedient to the Holy Spirit. And the next time that happens to you in your life, and maybe you're sitting in another service, and the same thing happens to you, and you, and you, and you do it again, you quench the Spirit. I mean, the Bible says someday when you quench Him enough, you won't have to worry about quenching Him again. Because he will not be knocking on your door again. Maybe you know the right thing to do in your life. The right path to take. The right decision to make. And you say, oh, I'll make that decision somewhere else. I'll make it a little bit later. I don't want to do it today. Maybe, maybe you know that you've not ever been saved. you think, Oh well, yeah, I, I need to do that. And I got this conviction. But I'm not going to do it today. See, that's being disobedient. See, that's procrastination. That's not doing what God's called you to do. And what are you doing? You, you're quenching the Holy Spirit. And, there, and you only get so many quenches, <laughs> if you would. We can blaspheme the Holy Spirit. We can grieve the Holy Spirit. We can even lie to the Holy Spirit. But he says, if you have been born again, and you want the abundant life, and you want what, all what God has for you, he says, don't quench the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, believe it or not, He's on your side. Holy Spirit wants the best for you. Holy Spirit wants to speak truth to you when you read or when you, someone speaks to you. He wants to give you the right path in life. And He wants to bring conviction in your life so that, so that if you've been born again, that, that your pathway, your, your, your pipeline to God, if you would, is not clogged. And you don't, you don't need Jeff to come in there and root you all out again. All you've got to do is pray. And that pipeline to him will be opened up bigger and better. Ever before, don't quench the Holy Spirit, Paul would say. The next one, it says this in verse uh, verse twenty. It says, "Do not despise prophetic utterances." As Paul would be writing this, he would be talking about in his day. He would be talking about preachers that preach the word and who would be talking about the future. What would gonna what's going to happen in the future? Today, we could do the very same thing. We have pastors and preachers who have really studied. What's going on later on down the road? They have looked at the rapture. They've looked at at tribulation. They've looked at Jesus coming back. They've looked at Armageddon. They've looked at the millennium, the thousand-year reign. They've looked at the gray white throne judgment, and they've studied God's Word. And they go through and they pour over it, and they pray over it, and the Holy Spirit has told them the truth about those kinds of things, those events that's going to happen later on down the road. And Paul's saying, when those guys have studied that and they've looked at it and they understand it, said don't despise those utterances. Don't despise those teachings. Because if it has come from God's Word and then they have studied God's Word, that is exactly what's going to happen. So don't push it aside. Don't think, well, that's never going to happen. There ain't going to be no rapture. He ain't coming back to get his people. The other is. The other is. You know, there's not going to be tribulation. Seven years of that kind of stuff on this earth? Yeah, it will be. Because God's Word says it will be. Oh, He's not going to judge everybody. He's not going to. We're all going to get to heaven. I mean, we've heard that story. We're all going to get there, aren't we? Uh, No, we're not. So when someone preaches the great white throne judgment, which which is the judgment for unbelievers... And, and, the, and the pain and the, and the wrath that those people are going to experience forever and forever don't despise those prophetic utterances the Bible says because they're going to come true Paul said this is my word and it will happen you might not like it you might not agree with it but don't despise when someone preaches the true gospel and how do we know that? the next one tells us how we should know that but it says, examine everything carefully. Hold to that which is good. Examine everything carefully. See, you, as, as Christians, as an audience, if you would, you should, you should not take what I say word for word. I should be able to prove it in the Bible. You should be able to prove whatever Jim and other teachers teach in Sunday school. You see, we got to understand. There's a lot of a lot of people out there that are false prophets and false teachers and false pastors. And he says here, we are to examine everything carefully. We are to examine the things that we read, the books that we read, and who are, who are those authors? We need to know who the author is before we ever read it, because they might not believe the same thing that you believe. You need to know who's speaking from the pulpits of, of of TV and radio and those things that we that we listen to. You need to examine them. Don't just believe hook, line, and sinker what, what they're telling you. He says there are false people out there that are deceiving people. They come in, in sheep's clothing and they devour people. Do you, you can't just believe everything that you hear. You must be able to test it through the Scripture. When you examine folks and when you examine preachers and teachers and what you read, You've got to examine them through what they see, what they say, and what they do through God's Scripture. I mean, it's all got to be based on God's Scripture. If it's not God's Scripture, it's not good. If you've got a messenger that's preaching all about, about himself and not the, the will of the people and not to make you better, you need to look out for that. When you have somebody that preaches all about money and not about sin and salvation, you need to look out for that. You better not read those books. You better not listen to them on the radio because that is a false prophet. If they don't talk about sin, they don't talk about judgment, they don't talk about grace, they don't talk about love, they talk about being the best you can be, I would suggest to you just run from those folks because that's not biblical. Examine themselves carefully, the Bible says. The problem that we may have most of the time in our lives, though, is it says, examine those through the Scripture. The kicker is, we got to know the Scripture. (laughs) Okay, I mean, we got to know what's in His Word. I mean, we got to know. We got to know. We got to study this Word. We got to be the workman who shows himself approved. We got to hide His Word in our hearts so that we might not sin. You see, how would we know if if someone is, is speaking deception to you, not speaking the truth to you, how do you know that? Well, if we're going to base it on God's Word, guess what? We've got to know God's Word. Okay? Why do I want you to know it? Because you've got to know God's Word. Because, you see, the enemy, the deceiver, will do what? He'll take God's Word and he'll just twist it a little bit. You see, I think he would take that verse that we talked about in verse 18 where it says, In everything give thanks. I think he had twist that and said, For everything give thanks. He'd just take one word and twist it. You see, we've got to know what's in His Word. But then the last part of that verse says what? He says, examine everything carefully, know what you know, and hold on to that which is good. When you find something that is scriptural, hold on to it. Cling to it. Grab a hold of it. Don't let it go. Keep studying it. Keep preaching that. Keep hearing that. If you've got something that's coming from the gospel, hang on to that examine it, hang on to that, don't ever let it go, is what he is telling us, and then I like verse 22 real quickly, he said, abstain from every form of evil, abstain from every form of evil, not to just abstain from evil, but the appearance of evil, I mean, if you're cruising along and you've got, a, got some decision that you've got to make, and it appears that whatever that decision is, maybe there's some wrong could be involved or maybe some evil could be involved. Leave it alone. Go the other direction. When there's a chance of something that you might do, something that you might buy, something that you might see, something that you might whatever, and there could be a hint of wrong in it, there could be a hint of evil in there, the Bible would tell you what? What? Flee from that. Do not go down that road, because we have to abstain from every form of evil if you've been born again. If you've been born again. You see what I'm saying? Said I mean, it could be evil, obviously that's an easy one, but if it could could become evil, could become wrong, could hurt your testimony, if you would. I think Paul is telling us here just don't even be involved in that area. If it's a shady area, don't even don't even go. Abstain from every form of evil. Of evil. As I look at that list, that list is designed to help us as Christians to live an abundant life. Did you know that? Some very simple truths that he's got here for us that if we would just do these as believers, that we really would, our life would be so much better. Our life would have so much more of a testimony for the Lord. And if we would just do those, I mean, uh, always rejoice, pray without ceasing, and everything, give thanks. Don't quench the spirit. Don't despise prophetic utterances. Okay, examine everything that you come across. Okay, abstain from evil and wrongdoing. He said, Christian, this is what I want you to do. This is how we are supposed to live. This is supposed to be how we, how we are. And if that's the case, if we would just ever be able to do those things, God has something for us. Did you know it? If we would just be able to live that way, verse 23 and 24 will tell us the rewards of living that way, Christian. Let's look at it real quickly, and I'll be done. In verse 23, he says, This is one of your rewards. There's four of them here. He says, That you now may the God of peace, may the God of peace. You see, if you've been born again, you have the peace of God and you have the peace with God. You see, only God through His Son can give you the kind of peace that we long for on a daily basis. Alcohol won't do it. Drugs won't do it. Sex won't do it. Only God can give you that peace. And if you're going to live the Christian life, he said, the reward that you're going to have, you'll be able to have the kind of peace of God and with God that no one else can have. What a reward. Just by being a Christian, we get to experience peace with God and peace with God. Jesus said, my peace I leave with you not as the world gives you, but the kind of peace that I give you. Don't we want that kind of peace? Yeah, if we're born again and we're a Christian and we, and we kind of have are our, our pattering our lives after those things that we've talked about, the Bible says you will have peace. The peace of God, you'll understand and feel that presence. The next thing he says there, real quick, that may the peace of God Himself sanctify you entirely. Sanctify you. The word "sanctify" means to be set apart, it means to be separated for God. Do you understand this? It is a special relationship that a believer has with Holy God, the One who created the universe. We have a special relationship with Him. We have been set apart, sanctified, because He loves us so much. And if we've been set apart as believers, and we are His children, we are His sons, and we're His daughters, and we're His children, guess what He wants to do for us? He wants to bless us. He wants to protect us. He wants to provide for us. He wants to love on us. All because we've been set apart. Here are the Christians over here. Here are the non-Christians over here, if you would. And he says, I want to bless you folks because you are my children. Just because you are living the Christian life in those other verses. I want to sanctify you. I want to bless you. And then he says, at the next part, he says, and may your spirit and your soul and your body be preserved complete. You know, this old world is not all there is. Okay, there's more to life than this old world. And the Bible tells us one day, as believers, we will uh, have a transformed body. We will one day have perfect eyesight, perfect hearing, perfect mind, a glorified, resurrected body that doesn't limp anymore, doesn't need a cane, doesn't need a wheelchair one of these days when Christ comes back at that great rapture moment and this old body that's been in that grave meets our soul in the air and he will give us our glorified body. See that is that is really a pretty good reward did you know it? If you've just been born again. If you just have put your trust in Jesus Christ. And for those that never do that those that will say are on this side over here they'll never meet up with that body again they'll never meet up be in the presence of God again and they will be lost for an eternity what a great thing for us as Christians to have a one day a glorified, resurrected, perfect body you will be just like God intended you to be before sin what a great time You'll be able to walk through walls. You'll be able to go from here to there in a nanosecond. Unbelievable what God's got for us. And then the last thing it says here. uh, Without blame at the coming of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And what that means is God is faithful. Did you know that? God is faithful. You'll get to experience God is faithful. When I talk to pastors in Zimbabwe, and I go, man, how you doing? I mean, I know it's hard over there. I mean, just how you doing. To the person. God is faithful. God will provide. To the person, God is faithful. You see, we need to be like that. How you doing today? I know life is hard. God's faithful. He'll take care of me. God's faithful. You see, one of these days we'll get to see the faithfulness of God. Did you know that? I mean, we can see it now. We see his faithfulness now sure. But one of these days we're going to understand what it really means to have our sins forgiven. To have our sins forgiven. Yeah, we kind of get it now. But one day we're going to really understand how faithful God was when he when he wiped our slate clean of our sins and he cleansed us from all unrighteousness. One of these days we're going to understand what it really means to be a, a son or a daughter of the Father one of these days we're really gonna understand what it cost God to put his son on the cross and to die and to become sin Ugh. we kind of get it now but one day we're gonna get to see all this and understand it fully we see it in a glass dimly now but one day we'll see fully what God wants us to see we'll understand what it really means that God is faithful yeah we understand God's faithful But when we pass from this earth and we're immediately transformed to there in a twinkling of an eye. Because God promised that for every believer. God promised that He'd have a dwelling and a mansion place for us. Yeah, we understand it. But when we get there, we'll truly understand how faithful God is. You see, it's it's really a great thing to be a believer. I mean, a great thing. He's given us instructions here in in verses 16 through 22. uh, Instructions on how to live. And then he says, when you live like that, you've got some rewards coming. You've got the peace of God. You'll have the benefits of being separate, uh, sanctified, if you would. You can have the benefits of, of being in Him in heaven forever and forever. And you'll truly understand what being faithful really means. And I want to encourage you today to look those verses over again, starting in verse 16, and begin living those, incorporating those into your life. I, I hope they're just not words on a page, okay? Because those are designed to help us as we walk this old world. Did you know it? I mean, it's I mean, designed for us. I mean, to just rejoice in the fact that you have eternity with God and just keep talking to me God says don't ignore me just talk to me every day something comes up God thank you that's a, man that's a blessing God I got this issue pray without ceasing whatever comes up in your life just thank Him for it praise Him in the storm okay like we, like we heard bless his name I hope you would do that that's my, that's my prayer for you that you would understand this, these are all designed to make our life a little easier if you would for the Christian take them off the page here put them here flesh them out live them out and I think you'll understand what the benefit of being a, a born again believer really is besides verses 23 and 24 your life will be so much better because you have taken God's word and allowed it to impact your life as we begin our time uh, I would just encourage you with that I think that we read God's word and we, we put it in our hearts but it's not just to put it here it is to live it out to flesh it out to really pray without ceasing, really in everything give thanks. And remember, we can rejoice and do all that other stuff. So as we bow our heads and close our eyes in invitation time, I just do business with God however God wants you to do. If you've got that conviction of the Holy Spirit, somehow, I don't know what it might be, I would urge you to act on it. Don't ignore it. Don't neglect it. Don't procrastinate it. Piano will play, and the altars are open. So, do business with Holy God, if you would, please.